Hi, welcome to First Chapter Friday. I am Maddie, and I'm going to read you the first chapter of some really good books that I think you'll like. You can find me on Instagram, hashtag Big Mouth Librarian. Happy Friday. Today's book is Torn Away by Jennifer Brown. It's based off the tornado in Joplin, Missouri that wiped out the whole town. Jersey, the main character, loses some very important people in her life and at 16 has to figure out how to live and who's going to take care of her. It will rip your heart out. I think there are tear stains on the pages from when I read it, but it is a quick read because you won't be able to put it down and it's one of my all-time favorite books. If you need a cathartic cry and you need a good you-can-do-it story, this one's for you. Chapter 1. The day of the tornado began gray and dreary. One of those days where you don't want to do anything but lay around and sleep. All the classrooms looked dark and shadowy and gross. And there was no energy in the building whatsoever. All the teachers were practically begging someone anyone to answer their questions, but when they turned their backs, they were yawning too. Spring is like that around Elizabeth, Missouri. One day it's really beautiful and sunny and the birds are tweeting so loud outside your window. The next day it's chilly and windy. And then the next day it does nothing but rain and drum up earthworms, only to shrivel up the next day with the sun and the wind. Welcome to the Midwest, Mom used to say, where the weather keeps you guessing and you're almost sure to hate it. We made complaining about the weather a full-time job in Elizabeth. It was the one thing we could count on to blame for our migraines, our blue funks, the reasons we overslept, and our bad hair days. This unpredictable weather could derail even the best day. When the final bell rang, Miss Soper, my language arts teacher, hollered, Quiz tomorrow. Got some thunderstorms coming in tonight. Perfect reading weather. Hint, hint. And sure enough, when we walked to the bus, the clouds were pressing in on us, thickening up and making it seem more like evening instead of 3.15 in the afternoon. Supper's quizzes are stupid, Danny said. As we slid down the bus line, I've never studied for one and I always get an A. Quiz tomorrow, people. Hint, hint. I mimicked because I did a pretty good impression, and we both laughed. I already read most of it anyway, I said, and I peered over my shoulder. Colby, my neighbor, was several steps behind me, carrying a skateboard as usual. I waved to him, and he waved back. Where's Jane? I asked Danny. Had to stay after for orchestra. Better her than me. I've been ready to go home since lunch. I cannot imagine having to hang out in this prison for another three hours. But you know Jane and her violin. She's happy about it. She's going to die with that violin permanently attached to her hand, I added. Jane was ultra devoted to her instrument. And Danny and I teased her about it mercilessly. But we both knew that without Jane, our trio would never be complete. She was musical and scrappy and her hair managed to make Frizz look cool. We'd all been friends since seventh grade. Jane was in the orchestra, 
Danny was the lead, and I happily knocked around in the pitch-black lighting booth with my clipboard and headset. It was sort of a metaphor for our lives together. When I thought about it, Danny was the beauty, front and center, lapping up the spotlight and the applause. I was the support crew, uncomfortably hiding my pudge and shyness between, behind a loose t-shirt. And without Jane, neither of us had any reason to be on stage at all. We got on the bus and bumped our way home. In keeping with the rest of the day, everyone seemed sleepy and subdued as the sky continued to darken and the wind picked up. Danny and I sat in weary silence. She was texting some guy from her economics class, and I was just watching the neighbors roll by. The windows were open, and the warm breeze felt good against my face. On Thursday nights, I had exactly one hour between the time I got off the bus and the time Mom got home with Marin. Just enough time to claim a snack and the TV, but not nearly enough to decompress to a level where I could handle Marin's excessive energy. Something about preschool really amped her up. It was my least favorite part of the afternoon, that space between when Mom and Marin bulldozed through the front door and when they left for Marin's dance class, leaving me to start dinner. That day, Marin tumbled into the living room, already wearing her orange and black leotard with the rhinestone collar, her face sticky from a popsicle, or something they gave her at school, and she hopped over to the couch and immediately began bugging me about the East Coast swing. Mom was still in her work skirt and scuffed heels, bustling around, mumbling things about the living room being a cave as she snapped on the lights. No, I don't want to. Go away, I yelled at Marin, and she went to Mom's room where I could hear her chattering incessantly and rifling through the things through things while mom tried to change clothes and I ignored them, finally satisfied that it was quieter and I could watch TV in peace. Jersey, mom called from her room. I pretended I didn't hear her because I didn't want to get up. A few seconds later, she came into the living room, pulling her earring out, her pantyhose draped over one arm and her toes looking red and taxed against the carpet. Jersey, huh? Didn't you hear me calling you? No? A look of annoyance fluttered over her face as she reached to pull the earring out of the other ear. Did you put the towels in the wash? No, I forgot, I said. I'll get them in a minute. This time, the annoyance covered her face full force. They need to get done. I want them in the dryer before I get back. Okay, I mumbled. And start dinner, she continued, heading back towards her room. I will. And take the dishes out of the dishwasher. I will, I called back. I was 10 when mom married Ronnie, but until then it had always been just mom and me. My alcoholic dad had walked out on us when I was barely a year old. And according to mom, he was constantly in and out of jail for crimes that usually started with the word drunk. He was hardly a parent to begin with. And most of the time she felt like she was raising two kids, not one. Still, she stuck it out because she thought they were in love. But one night he left and never came back. She tried to find him, she said, but it was as if, as if he disappeared from the face of the earth. Every time I asked her about him, she told me that if he was still alive, he didn't want to be found, at least not by us. I hadn't seen him since I was a toddler. I don't even remember what he looked like. And because mom's parents were control freaks who wrote her off when she got pregnant with me, I'd never seen them either. I didn't even know where they lived. I only know they didn't live in Elizabeth.
10 years of being mom and me duo meant a lot of chores fell on my shoulders. Mom needed help, and I didn't mind giving it most of the time because she worked really hard. And though I might not have always been, had the best stuff or the most expensive vacations, I had what I needed, and I loved my mom. But after mom married Ronnie and had Marin, the chores of two turned into the chores of four, and that got old. Sometimes it seemed like mom was constantly reminding me of the stuff I needed to get done. Mom and Marin continued rushing around, Marin prancing in and out of the living room, singing and humming, pressing the back of my head harder into the throw pillows, wishing they would go and leave me alone. Eventually, mom came to the living room, calling for Marin to go to the bathroom, shoving her feet into the black flat she'd left by the front door. She changed into jeans and a t-shirt and was digging through her purse. Okay. We're going to dance class, she said absently. Be back in an hour or so. Okay, I said. Marin raced into the living room, her own purse draped over her arm like a miniature version of Mom. In truth, it was Mom's old purse, an ugly black thing that Mom had gotten given to Marin after she got tired of it. But Marin adored it, carried it everywhere. No, leave that here, Mom said, pushing the screen door with her shoulder. But I want to take it, Marin argued. No, you'll forget it, like last time, and I don't want to have to make another trip to Miss Janice's. Leave it here. No, Marin cried, getting her meltdown voice on. Mom gave her the no-nonsense look I recognized all too well. You're going to be late, and then you'll miss the hello dance, she warned. Marin, head down, shoulders droopy placed the purse on the floor next to the door and followed mom out into the porch. Don't forget the laundry, mom said. I know. I sing-songed back, rolling my eyes. I thought I knew so much. I knew there was laundry to be done. I knew when mom and Marin would come home. I knew how the rest of the evening was going to go. But I didn't know anything. I had no idea.